0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to, and I promise you, our La Liga episode for the week. We, uh, like I said on the Premier League podcast earlier this week, we did miss last week's La, La Liga episode. I genuinely, profusely apologize. That was largely on me due to work constraints uh, which Rian promptly ghosted me as he was uh, promptly pissed off and uh, never responded to me for hours. But no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, Rian and I are good. We passed it over. It's, uh, it's all good. Uh, we kissed and made up.
1: Easy. Don't worry about it.
0: We, we did. We did. Yeah, if, if Mo's listening, I apologize. But anyway, why don't we move on to uh, bigger and brighter things in the world, Rian? Let's talk uh, Let's talk about how you're doing. How's your day?
1: My day has been it's not too bad. Um, work similarly, pretty busy, not, a, not probably quite as busy as, as Elias has, has been the last couple of days, but, um, but yeah, not a bad day. T- today we saw a first game debut for Thomas Tuchel as, as Chelsea coach and more or less the game looked like it looked like, um, a team that had just had their first practice with the coach the night before um so um but yeah interesting stuff there and then and then we saw Sheffield United's second win of the season uh as they were able to beat Manchester United and probably the biggest upset. non-Premier League champions Manchester yeah. United <laughs> it was probably the biggest upset of the of the Premier League season so far I think that's I think that's actually not really any argument for it right, right there you had the second-place team losing to the team that was sitting in last and potentially yeah. were, were on track, at least, for um, the worst points total in the Premier League, and they still might get there, who knows. But, um, but yeah, an interesting for day.
0: Everton and Leicester, oh. also Drew. Yeah, I was going to say, um, kind of nice that Everton got Gomez Rodriguez for free. Just... I think we forget about that. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, very interesting. And you forgot the most important news of the day. The most important news of the day, of course, being uh being our favorite stock of the day, GameStop oh and, uh, and AMC. <laughs> yeah. What uh, rumor has it? Rion made five. I think it was fifty thousand dollars today. This is just false. On, uh, <laughs> On, on both stocks. I think Rian is uh, is now a day trader and moving away from the podcast scene. So that's something that we might have to start a podcast on instead. That's that's no. what we're doing.
1: <laughs> This is hearsay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that that also has been a very fun little thing the last couple of days here. Um No, I'm I'm always for any scenario where yeah, hedge funds are absolutely getting screwed by the people they've been trying to screw for ever. And and anything that makes the stock market look more and more like just a game, just a very expensive game, obviously. Yes, but a, just very, a very costly one. <laughs> and, and now that there are more people that can play the game, it's a lot more fun
0: for normal people
1: <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's it's but, basically
0: uh, like using DraftKings minus the state uh inhibitors i guess or, or restrictions if you will yeah yeah like
1: playing draft yeah, so, Kings
0: like against
1: basically wall street so <laughs> um it's it's fun that has been a really fun side story here in the u.s so yeah
0: it's been it's been an interesting couple days it's honestly refreshing from like Whatever happened like two weeks ago, I, I blurred out the last like three weeks anyway. So, anyway, let's uh, let's move on, Ryan. Let's let's talk a little La Liga. Of course, the purpose of this podcast. Let, let's start off with Real Madrid, Rihanna. I wanted to start there and talk a little bit about their recent run of form because it's uh, it's not great. And I have I have in the same way that I had some theories about Atletico Madrid, I have some theories about. Real Madrid, not like my three prong theory with Atleti, but like I have, excuse me, aggressive theories about Real Madrid. So, yeah, what's uh, what's going on with Real Madrid, Ryan? How you how you feeling about them?
1: How am I feeling? I mean, Madrid just seemed like a very hard team to to really get a handle on. Um, right now, it, they were on a very consistent run for about a couple months um obviously a lot of that came with kind of started with their win against atleti in the in the derby and for the most part you know they've, they've been good since then but you can see that there are some obvious things missing in this team and even with the slack that i think we gave them for the first month or so um because of how soon they had to start their season after the Champions League, and just genuinely looking tired in a lot of games, I think they are still in a weird transition period where they have not figured out who's filling the roles of their more aging stars. And at the same time, they're not getting a lot of consistency even from a lot of their youth players and the and the players who were seen to have been at least replacements for a couple of these players are now getting loaned out. So um I don't know at least I, I guess my question to you would be even with the great run from from uh again the last month or so be- before these last uh week or the last couple of weeks Does it feel like, even if it's not going to be a controversial end, but does it feel like we're kind of coming to a bit of a stagnation with uh, Real Madrid under Zidane? And what feels like, you know, even if the team finished second, it doesn't feel like it'll be a very impressive second, especially with how well Atleti have been playing. But um, does it feel like this this is coming to an end for, for Zidane? Not well, Missy. by the way. I, I know yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That, that, yeah, thank you for clarifying Because that. that was going to be, like, the one thing that I add, right? That there's no way... I don't see a situation in which Zendane Zidane is let go between now and the end of the season. There's just no... There's no point in throwing him away when you've created, basically, within the whole entire season, you know, a, a team around what he wants and, a, and, I guess, a team that ties into him as a as a manager... Um, I don't see the value, and I don't think Florentino Perez probably sees the value in letting him go. Um, I, it, it doesn't make logical sense. You can definitely point to their last three games prior to this past weekend, right? So they were knocked out of the Copa del Rey by Alcoyano, Al-K- uh, third division side in Spain, lost to Athletic Club in the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, of course, uh, Bilbao now almost famously going on to win the Spanish Super Cup. And, of course, they drew in the snow at Osasuna. So those were the last three games. And after that, uh, the game against Alcoyano, um, Zidane Zidane tested positive for COVID. So he will not even be on the sidelines for the next couple of games, more than likely. Um, was not on the sidelines this past weekend against Alaves, in which they won 4-1. But, again, it. it I think what you're trying to get to hints at something much deeper than just the players. So I want to separate into two things, right? You have, I think, a lack of mentality in their approach to certain games. And those games statistically are focused on basically the lower league or lower um, in the table clubs in Spain. So the teams that Real Madrid have, has either dropped points against or lost to Entirely this season have been Alaves in the beginning of the season, most recently Alcoyano, Cadiz, Elche, and Osasuna. All five of those teams are either A, not in La Liga, or B, in the bottom half of the La Liga table. Now that tells me that their approach to those games is not fully committal, and that's a significant problem if you want to go ahead and win the title, right? The reason why they're not in first place has nothing to do with their ability to beat the big, big clubs in Spain. They beat Barcelona this season. They beat Madrid this season. They've beat the other top six sides in Spain, but their ability to approach those games against the tougher opposition, either away from home, the lower, lower sides in La Liga and not quote unquote, get the job done has to go down to, I think Zidane, And I would say also the squad management and we can talk about <laughs> those players being loaned out, maybe not reaching their peak where they wanted, but I think there's a, there's a larger problem here, which I want to get to too.
1: That's fair. And, and I, I want to still like, give them, give them some credit from all of this conversation here. Cause they still haven't lost since November um, in the league, at least. But no, I, I see what you're saying there that, there is a very interesting next couple, next month or so for them. Um, when you throw in the Champions League, obviously, and you throw in the fact that that they've got a pretty decent run here for this month, for through February until pivotal game against Atleti Madrid in the beginning of March, right? And so I think from. Th- like you said, they have had their issues with teams lower in the table, and this next month they'll have a good run at those teams. So I don't know. I I, I am still pretty hopeful for them in terms of obviously finishing second, and um, even though I think they're not going to catch Atletico Madrid, but uh, yeah, it just it just feels a bit sna- stagnant. In a sense, for for Real Madrid, even if the results themselves don't feel like, don't show it or or really give you that feeling, the performances themselves are have the at least the last couple of weeks have been, you know, not at the levels that you'd expect from this team, and and who knows maybe as Eden Hazard who has started to play again and got his first goal, um, last week in a while first goal in a while i should say
0: um <laughs> I, I i can uh, promise you he has scored before but it's yeah. not, not many. Yeah. that highlight reel is short <laughs>
1: <laughs> but who knows as as he works his way back into shape and well he's in shape but but as he works his way back into maybe playing shape or playing mentality at least um maybe we'll see this team kind of make some sort of progress but it's this tough when you see that they load out jo- Jovic back to Frankfurt, where he's already got three goals in his first three sub appearances. <laughs> there, um, you're talking about a guy who had 27 goals in his last season before moving to Madrid, and 10 of those goals coming in their Europa League run, um, to the semifinals. And then Martin Odegaard, who looked wonderful last season for Sociedad, and granted, I think this season there's been a lot of injury. Issues for him, I think, a bit more than more than anything else, and um, and COVID, and COVID, of course, yeah, yeah, and COVID. So, yeah, that's, it's just a bit disappointing. That I mean, that was disappointing. I I, I don't know, Ellie. So what are, what are your expectations for them at the end of this season? Do you think? What do you think is the likelihood of Odegaard going back to Madrid?
0: and is yeah, it performance
1: so, based on in terms of how well
0: he does at arsenal do you think no it, I, I don't think it's performance based I, I think this speaks to the second problem at real madrid that i wanted to get to there's it's not just about players being loaned out it's not that simple what's happening at real madrid is that there's no <laughs> transition plan between going from their old core which is luka modric tony cruz Benzema, Sergio Ramos at their core. There's no plan from taking those four players that start basically every game and transitioning into the new guard, which includes Luka Jovic, Vinicius. That also includes Martin Odegaard, players like that or of that caliber. If you started Luka Jovic over Benzema in, let's say, 10 straight games, I'm fairly confident that Luka Jovic would have 60 to 80% of the output that Kareem Benzema does. Because uh, Luka Jovic is a quality player. He proved it at Frankfurt. He proved it, unfortunately, against Chelsea. But he he proved it at all levels of Europe. Now, what he needs is consistent playing time at his age. Martin Odegaard is an even more unique case, right? Martin Odegaard wanted a two-year loan at Real Sociedad. Real yeah, Sociedad wanted a two-year loan with with Real Madrid. It was only after the Manchester City game last season in the Champions League, where Real Madrid said, "Uh-oh, we should probably bring back Martin Odegaard because we don't really have the players to to back up, you know, our agent core." Which again smart idea but reactionary because there was no plan to bring him back into this team. I hoped I was genuinely hoping there was because Arsenal are about to get an incredibly talented player but there was no plan from Real Madrid. It was completely reactionary and part of this is kind of the resurgence of the late career resurgence of Luka Modric this season, but at the same time this is a player that you're banking on for the next 10 years and if you really are you would start him in more games than none. Now, there's a lot that has to change at Real Madrid to make that happen. You know, First off, I think Martin Odegaard needs playing time at Arsenal. And second off, I I think Real Madrid are probably going to have to offload at least one of those four players this upcoming summer, at least. Because otherwise, they're not going to be able to fill those gaps with with younger talent. So uh, my expectation to answer your, (laughs) I mean, your ultimate question, right? Um, Jovic, I think is going to come back. I don't know how well he's going to perform once he comes back, solely because I think Kareem Benzema sticks around for another year. Martin Odegaard, I think, is a little different. Martin Odegaard is going to come back because it's, it's just basically a season-long, uh, rest-of-the-season-long loan. And my expectation for him at Arsenal is he probably plays a lot more than even Luka Jovic does. And if he does and he performs well, I think that could be enough for either one of two things happen. He gets into the starting 11 at Real Madrid, or I think there's a, mon- uh, not a monopoly effect, but a domino effect with Zinedine Zidane potentially leaving in the summer and another coach replacing him and Martin Odegaard getting more playing time. So a lot of moving pieces at Real Madrid, but I think the Odegaard case is really, really interesting to me. All right. Well, with that, shall
1: we move on to again your leaders at the top? Now, seven points clear of Real Madrid (laughs) with a game in hand. 10 points clear of third place, Barcelona. 11 points clear of fourth place, Sevilla. Again, still a game in hand on all of the three of those teams. Atletico Madrid. They are on pace for almost a hundred points this season. Uh, whether they get there, whether they get there or not, either way, they are looking like they'll be able to get to maybe ninety points, which would be amazing as well. So, Elias, what, what is next for Atletico Madrid? W- where do you see that possible next loss coming? Because <laughs> They have not lost since they lost to Madrid, and yeah. um, outside of that, they have won every single game in the league since yeah. October third. Insane. The only loss being to Real Madrid.
0: Actually, insane. That is actually absurd. You're you're basically writing a story for uh, Atletico Madrid that borders on the success, and and I I, I I'm not hyperbole here that borders on the success of some of the pep years when he was in Barcelona. And I would say the early years at real Madrid. There's something to be said about the way that Diego Simeone has actually got this team clicking on, on all cylinders. There is one moment that I think stood out to me the most. And I believe it was after the Valencia game where they won three, one it maybe it was before then, but that Valencia game, which they won they were down early that was their eighth goal conceded in the league throughout the entire campaign which (laughs) it's still really impressive to only concede eight goals after this this time frame um they then went on to score three goals unanswered Suarez scored an absolutely amazing goal assisted by Jao Felix I believe it was Jao Felix yes it was Jao Felix and there's something to be said about Diego Simeone's comments after that game. I, and I, I really want to make sure it's that game. But he was asked after the game, he, someone, uh, one of the reporters said, um, you know, how are you feeling about your chances now that you've beaten a quote-unquote top side, even though Valencia are close to the bottom of the table? You know, he basically said, how are you feeling now about your title chances? Um, and Diego Simeone's response was brilliant. He said, um, Kadith, that was it. There was that, no more. He said, Cadeth, And Kadith, of course being the next game that they play in La Liga. So it's this unrelenting mentality that you're not done until you have a trophy in your hand that I think is really, really propelling them to the next level. Now, the question ultimately is, can anyone actually stop this team? Can anyone beat this Atletico team? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, especially... And maybe I'm have, we're having a different conversation if Trippier is not, or if he is in the team, but because he is not in the team right now, I genuinely believe that some someone can on and off day beat Atletico. I don't think they go between now and the end of the season without another loss, especially because they do have to play Real Madrid again, they do have to play Barcelona again. So it's not like they are completely out of the water, but are they heavy favorites in my opinion to win the title? Yeah, let's look at it realistically. They still have a game in hand and they're 7 points clear of the next the next um team, which of course is Real Madrid on 40 points. They Atletico are on 47. So it'd be very difficult for me to say, you know what? I might log into a DraftKings account and put $40 on on them instead of putting <laughs> it in the uh, AMC or whatever the kids are doing these days, but yeah, it it it'd be very hard to stop them.
1: Yeah, and it's really funny. It feels like, in some ways, ever since that round of 16 win against Liverpool last season, it's like they kind of switched powers, like some sort of freaky Friday shit. Like they beat Liverpool, and now this season, Atletico Madrid is in a lot of games, like pulling wins out of their ass in the same way that we saw Liverpool do a lot of times last season, too, and show that late-game resolve, too, not just not just being great for, like, all 90 minutes or being great for, for half an hour and, and killing a game or something like that. Um, Atleti have showed the ability to still go on late in games and win, and that's that feels very much like the Liverpool team we saw last season, and, and it's funny how it just feels like there's a bit of a, a flop there. At least I would also ask... Are you having a bit of a case of seller's remorse
0: for one Luis on Suarez? <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's funny is I actually thought you were talking about Griezmann for some reason, and I was like, towards... Know, that'd that would be buyer's remorse. No, I'm, yeah, I'm aware. That's why I was confused. <laughs> but um, am I having seller's remorse? Well, my, my name is not... <laughs> Bartomeu so <laughs> um, yes if, if I'm looking at it from a fan's perspective it, and you can't even can you call it seller's remorse if you gave Luis Suarez for no money is it is it more gifting remorse I I don't think it's even seller's remorse it's it yeah I, I am I am very 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 pissed off about not Suarez leaving let's let's I want to define these two things I think Luis Suarez leaving Barcelona Just a jealous a- ex Oh my god! You really want to go down this route, don't you? Okay, sorry. Go on. My bad. Uh, thank you. Thank. You. Of course. Of course. No. Luis Suarez leaving this Barcelona team was exactly what's needed. I mean, objectively, let's look at how this Barcelona team operates up front. Right. A combination of Griezmann, Messi, Dembele is probably better suited than Suarez, Messi, Dembele. I think there's more fluidity. I think there's there's more dynamism and. More movement up front to move the defense around. Luis Suarez would have camped. He would have been an amazing poacher. But in a team that's trying to get younger and trying to be more active, that's not. Uh, Luis Suarez is not what you need in the team. Now, the stupid part of all of this is Bartoméu saying, "Luis Suarez, you can't go to Real Madrid. You can't go to Juventus. You can't go to Bayern. You can't go to PSG." But you can go to basically any other club that you want. Manchester City, I think, was the other one. Uh, You can go to any other club. So, of course, (laughs) he just moved two hours away and went to Atletico because Atletico somehow were not on that list. Luis Suarez has been responsible for, I, I kid you not, directly eight points for this Atletico team. I think he's been decisive in four games specifically for this Atletico team with his goals, and I mean, most recently against Valencia, right? But it's crazy to me how Barcelona let him go to Atletico. It's, it, I mean, am I surprised? No, because his team's a billion dollars, or excuse me, a billion euros in debt. But th- this, this is the actual sporting effect you are now seeing from mismanagement. I, I want this to be a lesson to anyone watching or listening right now. This is what happens when you have poor board management genuinely it's right in front of our eyes. So um, that, that's the point that I would make on Luis Suarez. And the, the one piece, I think the one statistic rihanna will love is that I don't know what to make of this, but he right now has the highest difference in Spain between XG and actual goals. Take whatever you want from that and extrapolate it. But I think that's, that's telling enough.
1: I mean, it, it just, it just tells you that he's still a world-class Score, like, finisher really right um that's that's about all we can take from the from those goals above xg stuff it's you know actually just the probability of goals going in and what kind of separates the great players is that they outperform it right he's outperforming it at a higher level than anyone else in la liga and the, the thing that i think also kind of attributes to whether it's the the uh discourse around him this season as compared to last season at Barça, or whether it's the team maybe fitting him better than Barça's team did for him last season. But Sid Lowe made like a really good point on their on the latest Spanish football pod, where he said something along the lines of this was kind of always who Luis Suarez was, even last last season, last two seasons at Barcelona. And just when you're at Barca, you're there's kind of, there's an expectation to be more than just this great finisher, so right? and he's coming to Atleti and it's just a perfect, perfect slot, slotted right in, and he's coming to a team where they just, where, he, not only his role on the field but also his, I guess, reputation with the fans or people or the coach is just to expect him to be there to finish the chances. And he's not expected to do anything more. And you're kind of seeing that where he's having fewer ball carries per 90 this season, as as compared to any of his past seasons at Barcelona, he's being targeted for passes fewer than at any point at Barcelona too. So again, showing that kind of poacher sense where he's only getting the ball when it's an actual scoring opportunity. Obviously not the only time he's getting it, but that's what they're looking for. Basically
0: the only time he's getting it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And an interesting one too is he's putting in more tackles this season versus the last season at Barcelona and more attacking third tackles than at any season um, with Barcelona. So he's also kind of really become akin to the mentality that comes with playing under Simeone, too. He, so he you know that he's still, even if he's not there necessarily physically, his work rate, at least in pressing high up, is still there and and is still willing to do that part of it um, when necessary, right? Now, luckily, he plays in a team that doesn't do it, doesn't have to do it a lot, or doesn't expect him to do it a lot. But, you know, when when it's necessary, he's still ready to do it. I think it's just a perfect match more than anything, a perfect match for Luis Suarez at at this point in his career, at least.
0: Yep. No, I I mean, I, I completely agree, right? Like Luis Suarez is one of those players that he will he will do the dirty work in terms of, you know, tracking down the ball from the goalkeeper. And then that's about it. Once, once the ball distributed, he's not going to give up on that. That's not. But what he will do extremely well and why I know for a fact that Diego Simeone definitely saw this report in the news that <laughs> Atletico is not one of the teams uh, that you know Suarez couldn't sign for. He probably was like, that's all we need is we need a goal scorer. I mean, we said it on the pod, right? That's all that Atletico needs. They need someone to quite literally be just the We're motor. campaigning
1: for Raul Jimenez.
0: <laughs> we were we were yeah and and to be fair i pro- as a long term solution i still am but honestly that's all that luis suarez does really 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 well and it's a perfect fit cuz he has service he has everything he needs but he doesn't need to run and he doesn't need to be a part of the larger team cohesion in in defense and in and also in attack in some ways so yeah it's a perfect fit
1: well Again, this is the team to beat in Spain, and for sure. And at at some point, maybe just before the Champions League knockout stages start again, we're going to have to really discuss them as one of the favorites for the Champions League as well. But
0: well, yeah, um, let's 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 be clear that they're getting past Chelsea. Let's just let's get that out of the way. Um, before well, you, start at least going they down. get to the quarterfinals. Probably they're 12, making yeah. it. Yeah, they're making <laughs> it to the quarterfinal. We can we can tell you that. But um unless Tuchel has crazier like things dark, have no, 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 dark magic. He picked up dark magic. That's Crazies, the only way. Yeah, crazier things. But uh at least <laughs> we take a break from there. Let's do it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back talking a little Barcelona and maybe some positive news. I, I don't want to change it, but maybe some positive news ladies and gentlemen welcome back after the break we're uh, talking a little barcelona Rian. Yeah? let's talk uh a little bit about my boys in blue and red um that almost sounded patriotic but it no that's not what i was trying to go for but anyway let's let's talk a little bit about barcelona um consistent run of games for once I mean th- that's surprising for my team um <laughs> they have basically won if you i mean if you want to count the real associate game on penalties right their last seven games pretty impressive stuff for a coach that arguably probably shouldn't be there that's actually the last eight games now that they won today so um where does this leave Barcelona? I mean, they obviously are not going to win the, the title, the La Liga title. Let's be quite frank. That's not going to happen. Um, they still have a shot at the domestic cup, the Copa del Rey, King's Cup as it's translated in English. And I mean, if you really are a believer, you can think that they're going to win the Champions League. Good luck with that. But uh, where, yeah, where where is this team, Rian?
1: I think this team is... Well, we've talked about it before. Like, they they have, over the last month or so, have, or maybe a little more than that, honestly, um, have sort of stabilized and and look like a team that, at least for now, um, comfortable. I don't know. Is the best word? Whereas it was very hard to see that in the first month or so. Or the first, let's not just say first month, the first Two and a half months, maybe three months of the season, or almost three months of the season. Um, but now now they're on a great run. They have they have not lost since losing to Cadet back in the beginning of December. They have won four in a row. One of them against a good Bill team, who they play again this upcoming weekend. And more than anything, the young building blocks of the team are performing right now and um one of those being Frankie De Young who has just really seemingly found a, a comfortable spot in the team and looks on the pitch that he is more comfortable with not only the players around him but the spacing too and that, I think that's
0: been a huge development yeah, honestly, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Um, this team has largely been running on youth fumes. That's what I'll call it, youth fumes. And you have to give a lot of credit. We've talked about Pedri. We've talked about the rest of you know Dembele and Ricky Pooge. But I don't know if we talked enough about Frankie de Jong. Frank, Frankie de Jong last season really was never played in his ideal role. Well, maybe I'll, I'll add an asterisk to it. He was played in his ideal role as a, as a central defensive midfielder, but really given no authority to go forward. He was just really uh, a more horizontal player than a, a vertical player, and that's not what suits his game. I mean, everyone... Talks about his um his game against Ajax, right? Or er, sorry, with Ajax against Real Madrid in the Champions League, which he just bossed it at the Bernabeu. Right now, if you were able to watch Barcelona games, or at least games that Frankie De Jong plays in, on a game to game basis, you're seeing that same run of form. Because what I think Coleman has done really, really strategically well. This, if there's anything I give him credit for, it's this. He's given Frankie De Jong the complete freedom to go as far forward as he wants, which is why he scored four goals in the last eleven games and provided a couple more assists as well. That's not his like. Let's be clear, like that's not at all his role. And Ansu Fati, if he was back in the team right now, would probably be getting those goals. But genuinely, his ability to to progress the ball and run completely past players, use his body to shield the ball away and open it up to a pass forward between the lines is what this team has been missing. I mean, I've been begging for it for like two years. Like that's exactly what we needed. And so I just hope that this run of form from him continues. I'm really, really impressed with what I've seen. And even in the last 10 minutes, when Ricky Pooj came on against Elche. Um, To seal the winner, actually, his first Barcelona game this past weekend against Elche. What Ricky Puj did really well is break the the horizontal nature of Barcelona passes. He provided even more verticality through a line of defense or by, you know, splitting two players, something like that. Frankie de Jong, at the same time, supported him in those actions by either making forward runs or sitting deep when necessary. All of that culminated in the second goal against LJ in the past weekend. And De Jong's surge in form, I think, is going to be crucial as Barcelona probably look towards not just this Bilbao game over the weekend, which, of course, they lost to Bilbao uh, just you know a week and some ago, um, but really focusing on this PSG upcoming game in basically three weeks. And that's going to be a really, really important test for this Barcelona side. So... I, I'm I'm encouraged from what I'm seeing, Rian. I'm I'm really encouraged. Yeah, and just to piggyback
1: on like you said, Dion's verticality being kind of the the biggest development at least that I've seen from him with that within the team. Um over during this run. You know, since that Kath game, he's been averaging somewhere around like three touches in the penalty area per game. And before that, he was averaging between just about one and a half so you can see i i I would love to know if it was from instruction from kuman that that has kind of changed it um or it's the midfielders that are now playing around him and and kind of a comfortability in knowing that whether it's buscast whether it's Pianic, that someone will be sitting there and and giving him that freedom to make runs into the box and support and um it's been huge it's been something it's been like like you said you you've been begging for it and it's been a real glaring weakness in the team at the worst of times this season is not enough men in the box and and that has also been kind of remedied by martin braithwaite playing a bit more and being more of a central focus in the box there but frankie de young's runs are also crucial for that and yeah it's putting Barca in a, in a good spot and um they have a interesting run coming up. They play Bilbao, like you said, this weekend, and Betis and Alaves is their next three. And I mean, they, still, they are ten points off of Luddy, so I I don't think we're putting them in that conversation.
0: Yeah, no, but let's, let's um, not get our hopes up. <laughs> no,
1: no. But but if they were able to finish above Madrid this season, that would be a resounding success. Um, oh yeah. Especially, you yeah. know, at the state of the two teams going into the season, right? So.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that, like, I don't I hate to get into, like, an Arsenal versus Spurs type debate, but in, in the context of a season where both teams are really nowhere near their peak, it's important to realize that you're basically competing with each other and you are not competing for first place. I think... There is no side that in all likelihood will catch Atletico Madrid. Maybe we're having a different conversation of Atletico drop, maybe two game, drop points two two games in a row or, you know, over a span of three to four games, they drop points. That's a different conversation, but Real Madrid and, and Barcelona are, are really neck and neck. Those are the ones that I'm, I'm most interested in. So I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that <laughs> this team is going to go and finish in second, but I'm I'm a little more optimistic from what I've seen. Um and hey, if they get out of the knocked out of the Champions League, then they'll have more time to rest for La Liga games and in a season where everyone is playing every three to four days, not the end of the world. Obviously, I would love to win the Champions League. Let me let me <laughs> reaffirm that. But you know, you get what you, you can get, and you don't ask for more. All right. And with that, Ellis, um, is it just about time for us to get out of here? I think it is. Yeah. The only last thing that I would mention is uh, <laughs> the only positive, other positive for, about Barcelona is Dembele playing today his 10th game in a row for Barcelona. And huge. The crazy Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but the craziest part about that is he has never played 10 games in a row for Barcelona. It's never happened. So. Oh, that Oh, that I would have honestly guessed <laughs> was oh, okay. the case. That's why All I said right, huge. Well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Well, you. I, just, mean, inter- I mean, I mean, his body hasn't is. his body hasn't let him play ten games in a row.
0: Exactly. Yeah it's it hasn't been a pleasant experience for him. So I was really happy today when he came on against uh, Rivaldo Cano in the Copa del Rey. Um, but yeah, Dembele getting a run of form. I I just want to point out that in all likelihood he will probably pick up like nagging small injuries along the way as any player does, but. Those are normal. That that to me is a signal that his body is actually responding to the nature of the game and not breaking uh, to the you know as as the game goes on. So, I'm really excited from what I see from him. Um, I, I really really hope the best for him. And I'll I'll leave it at that. And we can get out of here, real.
1: It'll be it be interesting to see if he's able to play his way into being a factor this this summer for France
0: you know, for the I Euros. Think about,
1: yeah, I think about yeah he was probably unlucky not to be more of a factor in their World Cup side considering that, that was just around his explosion onto the scene right and
0: yeah
1: yeah that, i mean that'll be a fun side
0: story in the french in the french national team but dude griezmann uh, a griezmann dembele mbappe olivier Giroud, front four would uh would do some damage right, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that much <laughs> anyway Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening. We uh, will be back after the weekend talking a little bit more about La Liga on Thursday. Well, the, the podcast, of course, will be released on Thursday for you. We will be recording on Wednesday, though. Um, and uh, we'll be back talking a little bit about what happens in England over the weekend. So, as always, thanks for listening and we'll be back soon. Thanks, guys.